actual food this time. Frosted, f- what the fuck? I, Frosted I'm, I'm Flakes not, was I, incredible. It was good. Yeah, but this was real food. Yeah. And what? Tell me about airline food, huh? What's it do with? <laughs> <laughs> tell me about airline food. You have to do it like Jerry Seinfeld. No, tell me. About, what's the deal with airline the food? The deal with airline food. <laughs> <You> sound like. <laughs> I like that. I should do that more. Uh, yeah. You think I'd be good just, at stand-up? Uh, yes. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Sure. Just, yeah, just if that's my be... only joke, but I just say it in different comedians. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. just say, and then when yeah. you do Jimmy Fallon, just laugh before you even <laughs> joke. <out. laughs> I guess, dude, stand-up comedy just terrifies me. Just thinking about that. Yeah. It just uh, sounds terrifying. Performing in front of people is terrifying. Yeah, for for anything. What for if we anything. did a live version of this? As long as they were looking in through a window, I think I could tune it out. Uh-huh. But if we were on a stage, I don't know if I could do that. I what, know what, and the then we try to make a I joke listened. about alien eggs going in someone's butt, and no one laughs. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's <laughs> the whole thing. Is that's the whole thing with stand up? That's why you have to go, um, go on stage so much and mm-hmm. test your stuff to. You weed out the bad stuff and only keep the good stuff, and then you and all the good stuff. Yeah. In our last podcast had to do with poo poos and peepees. Yes, well, all, that's that's because that's all you. I'm keeping the standard up. <laughs> 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 well, welcome to dinner with a movie. Bienvenidos. Hola. Say si, say si. eat, eat, eat the burritos. What? <laughs> Bienvenidos. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts. We're going first names this week. I'm Blake. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jose. Um, we took the last names out because it was awkward. What's it the was, point? It is awkward. What's, What's the point, the point of in knowing last my last name? Yeah. name? You can look on the podcast and see last names, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which reminds me, I need to add you to our our main host list. It's still just me and Jose right now. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm special. You are special. You're you're like the special... It's like, it's like that... In, it's always sunny and a lot of things like that where there's a there's a person that's on every single week but they're always listed as the special, special guest, guest. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you are if any, I think we should do that just leave the exact same bio but just as with special guest, with special guest. <laughs> I'm gonna do that with with uh with, no last name special guest Brandon <laughs> uh, with um assistant to Blake Gilmore Brandon Miles. oh yeah we tried that when our last year. We tried uh, everything that that Blake and I worked on. We would tell them, I would say, just just list me as assistant to Blake Gilmore. Blake would say, just list me as assistant to Brandon Mouse, and no one took us seriously. <laughs> but now no this is the it. chance that we can we can do that. We can make yeah. sure we're taken seriously. Well, because we are masters of our own universe. That's why. <coughs> that we watched nice. Coco this week. Coco. It's a beautiful movie. It Quality is. film. Yeah, absolutely. And we ate tamales. I won't forget it this time. The food? I, f- I forgot the food last week. You had to remind me. Oh, yeah. That's I because mean, it's Frosted fine. Flakes are completely forgettable. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's as if we had a real meal f- for once. We had an... There were no sides to this meal, Jose. You don't need a side with tamales. 
I think for yeah, a balanced I, I dinner. I asked if you wanted me to make salsa roja, and you said no. It's going to be sauce. There and is sauce. I, I didn't get sauce, and I was it's very, in the tamale. But you know what? The tamales were very good. They were delicious. The Made by uh, some authentic Mexican woman that has a storefront across UNLV. I don't know. Oh, was it name. across UNLV? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I would plug her, but I don't remember the name of the store. I uh, just go searching around Las Vegas. You'll find you'll yeah, find a tamale shop. I've got tamales from there before. Yeah, she has. She does wonderful. You can't eat in there. It's all to go. I think they only have like a single fold out chair. For waiting. <laughs> correctly, That's so you all can wait for your tamales. <laughs> yeah, and they usually run out by like one o'clock in the day. They're that's really authentic. Yeah, they run out yeah. quick. That's yeah. when you know you have to. You have to fight for the inventory before they run out. Tamales are awesome. Yeah. I wish I had a, I wish I was fed tamales excessively like Miguel is. That was a lot. And he, and they looked like quality tamales. Mm -hmm. You need to find an authentic Mexican woman. (laughs) To be your mom? (laughs) Oh, to marry me. To be my mom. Well, because that was his grandma, actually. That was his grandma. He was feeding him, yeah. You need to adopt a grandma. Adopt a Mexican grandma. Abuelita, right? Yeah. I already have two abuelitas. They're just Guatemalan, so it's close enough. Are tamales made in Guatemala? They are, but they're not they're the same. right? Yeah, they're not the same they're texture. In, are they wrapped as, in banana leaves? Yes. In Guatemala? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a couple variants, but the most common one, yeah, is wrapped in banana leaves, and then the dough is a lot softer, a lot more moist. Moist. Someone just fell off their bike. I yeah, think. they're good, but we usually only eat them around Christmas time. <laughs> Sound like someone's walker fell over. <laughs> there goes Coco. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I have some fun facts if you guys want to hear them. Make them fun. Fun facts. <laughs> All right. Uh, Coco came out in 2017, one of the more recent movies we've done. Uh, its runtime is an hour, 45 minutes. Its director's two is Lee Uncrich. Lee Uncrich and Adrian Molina, who worked on Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc., and Toy Story 2. And then they were also writers. In addition to them, you have Jason uh, Katz and Matthew Aldrich, who also worked on almost every Pixar movie that they have. I'm wondering, because um, Pixar has such a good like hit after hit, is there like a point where like these guys, when they're out, Pixar is just not going to make any good movies anymore? No, no. Well, it looks like a lot of these guys start off as animators, mm-hmm. and they work their way up in the company. So a lot of them, when you look at their credits on IMDb, they were all animators on like, the original Toy Story, mm-hmm. and then they've moved their way up. So uh, Melina, the director adrian molina this is his first movie directing for pixar he's been part of the teams but this is the first chance he got to direct so i think they just moved the the work their way up it seems like it creates a good working environment to not only create a good movie but allow these workers to move up and create more good movies in that way and that's good because like you always worry that like the studio will lose their magic eventually it feels like there's a mentor um, program, mm-hmm. right? Lee, Lee, it, how do you say his name? Uncrich? Is that how you said his name? Yeah, I would say Uncrich. So he, 
he uh, worked on pretty much every Pixar film since 1985, right? Mm. In one form or another. And he retired last year in 2019 oh, wow. to spend time with his family. Did he work on Onward? Do you know yes, that? Yes, he did. Okay. So well, that was his last his one. Last, or did he, so you work on last. Soul, right? Hmm. Okay, because that one's coming out. They're doing that digital release. I don't know when that's coming, though. Uh, December, Christmas, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it going to be another uh, Disney Plus yeah, premium another, pay? Yeah, another Mulan. Thing? I don't think you have to pay the same amount. I think it comes with Disney Plus. Oh, really? I think I think I read that, but I might be mis- misinforming. My mom says Disney Plus. Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> more like Disney robbery. Fuck Disney. I love Pixar. I uh, I paid for that Mulan shit. Was it worth it? Yeah, it was to me. You liked it? It was $30 and the entire family watched it. So, See, I think I, I, I agree it's kind of like shady that you have to have the subscription as well as pay the extra, but it's about an average family ticket price if less. So it sucks if you're a, a person alone at home trying to get it, but like if you're a yeah, family but you don't, so if I mean, if you want to watch it now- that's when you pay the the that premium price. If you can if you can wait a couple months because in December it's gonna, it's, it's gonna go yeah yeah right yeah I think so. So if you can wait, then then wait and you don't have to pay the extra. I know a lot of people have qualms with paying for Disney Plus in general. And they they don't think that they're they produce enough content. And I know a lot of people who only have Disney Plus for The Mandalorian. And I just, the complaint that Disney doesn't have enough content is ridiculous to me. It is ridiculous. They're not they're not producing a lot of new content at the moment. But the amount of things on there that I could watch over and over again, or the things that I haven't seen in years that I didn't expect to be able to watch on a streaming service is, is incredible. Like the cat from outer space? You watch that over and over again? No. Uh, I'll I'll try if you want me to. Is that our next one? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, let's get into the meat of Coco. Let's talk about it. What What do you guys want to talk about? Mm. Any particular topics that come to your mind? I I um I wanted to talk about kind of this and in relation to Moana as well. How it's an interesting difference in like a cultural representation that you don't normally see in these types of animated films, and how it's like, I, my only experience with Dia de los Muertos is like Spanish class videos, essentially. And making the sugar skulls. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Some some really like shallow level, like understanding, understanding. of the culture. Right. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. pretend like this is such a comprehensive like. Um, super spot on the be all end all representation of it, but it's certainly like a really genuine and and um, kind of a teaching experience too to see this represented in this way. And I and I think like um, for children watching this sort of stuff, it's nice to see that this is a way that is really easy to get into really easy to, to empathize with another culture like this. And it's, it's, I, yeah, I think, I think they did a really good job, not only expressing it in in a knowledgeable way, but expressing it in like a, just the colors are so beautiful. The, um, the atmosphere of the whole world just makes you respect this culture. And it really, 
deep way. And by the end of this, I was like, I was ready to put up my ancestors' pictures just in case, so they can come, so they can come to me. It was, yeah, it was a very, a very good um, cultural journey. I think. I think it's nice that Pixar, especially, has taken upon themselves to tell stories of cultures that aren't always told. Um, you know, I mean, Dia de los Muertos, at least in this form, is a Mexican holiday, which isn't something that I celebrate. But something it's something as simple as just seeing people of my skin tone do be in a movie is refreshing. And, you know, you have bad guys in the movie, but they're bad guys because of they're just bad people. A lot of the times in movies that do have Hispanics, they're the the Hispanics that are in the movies are the the gangbangers or the drug dealers. So it's right, nice. They're to stereotypes, see, right? They're stereotypes. <laughs> so people say, "Oh yeah, Hispanics are in films all the time." They are as stereotypes. This is the first movie where, even though it's culturally like a huge part of the Mexican culture, or Dia de los Muertos, at least their characters aren't defined by their stereotypes or it's the first time in a long time seeing a Hispanic people just represented as just people, not a stereotype, not anything negative. And so it's refreshing that Pixar is doing that. And they, they do that with Moana too. Um, it's nice. It's, it's a nice change of pace. Yeah. Showing like the, the deep, loving family ties that everyone has in this and comparing it to like, and you see it in a lot of, in a lot of, um, um, recent kind of indie Asian cinema, like the farewell and stuff like that, where it's a lot of showing the differences between how kind of Western culture views that family relationship and, and, and how more Eastern cultures and this movie as well, kind of that family ties are much closer in that way and more expected to, to be closer like that. Um, and there's more of a unity of family. I mm-hmm. think, um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Multi-generational households. Right. Um, that's common in, in a lot of Hispanic heritage, uh, families, right. Um, Filipinos as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's not something that is it, it it's very common with american you know white households right it's kind of like get out of here and go become a successful businessman right at the or, ripe age of 18 you know yeah. you you, yeah. you go off to college go to or school. or yeah. you go get a job and you move out on your own right right um whereas you know the family is together um as one cohesive unit and they support each other and they have a place to go and they have a place to, to, um, to love one another and, and have close contact. Right. Um, and I think that's where, um, people in the United States, um, don't get a lot of that. And there's a breakdown in the family, in the family structure that way. Um, with white people and they don't understand why, why like during the time of COVID, why, you know, it's okay if I get it because there's nobody home to give it to. Mm -hmm. But if somebody else gets it, yeah, they have, you know, they have 
great-grandmothers. They have grandmothers. They have babies all in, all in one house. And that, that could be devastating to a family, you know? So, um, I, I appreciate, I appreciate this type of movie that, um, it's, um, it's very family oriented. It's, it paints a picture of, um, whether that picture is, is, you know, looked at through rose tinted glasses or not is one thing, but it paints a picture, a lovely picture of family and how important family is and how, um, even when you think it's not important and even if, if you want to run away from it, that, um, it always brings you back to center. Right. And I think at its core, that's what Coco does to anybody who watches it. You, you automatically understand Right. It's, un- it's universal. It's a very universal movie. His family brings him like the most pain when they're breaking his guitar and, and kind of ostracizing him like that. But they're also even at the end when that like it's it's they bring him a lot of pain in, in just in not allowing the music. But they're also even at the end when the, when his grandma saying like apologize to Coco and like still bringing him pain in that way but then he just turns around and hugs his dad and even though like he knows that's that's like there's a lot of good and bad in that relationship and and it's not only the pain that the family brings but it's also like a huge source of comfort a huge source of love and and um even though he wishes his his family would have gone into the trade of making uh wrestling clothes instead of shoes (laughs) underwear for wrestling yeah (laughs) (laughs) what this movie does really well that I haven't really seen in a lot of movies is representing the Hispanic family dynamic and to the extent also Filipino and certain cultures that were just conquistadored by the Spanish. Yeah. But it's a very unique dynamic that I've always struggled with trying to explain to my friends in the way that I, you have frustrations with your family but ultimately, at the end of the day, there's nothing else that matters on top of that. That's a very, um, not to say that it doesn't exist in other cultures, but to Hispanics, that's the number one thing. And this movie shows it really well, but what I think it does with it is even better. It's it's a story device for them. The Their love for family is detrimental at times you know they're they're unable to move past the idea of a person who hurt their family to accept the dreams of a kid they're so and and that's that's not even a thing that i is outside of the realm of possibility that you're so family focused that you're not open-minded to any other ideas that might alter that family dynamic and that's a very hispanic thing and so it's nice, to, it's refreshing to see it portrayed well, but for them to also use it as a, an important, to move the plot along for Miguel to want to leave. Because the lesson I think that they both learn is that there has to be a balance between wanting to, allowing there to be change and still being part of the family. Miguel thinks, you know, if they're, if I can't do what I want to do, then I don't want to be a part of this family. That's the extreme side of it. And then the family, if he doesn't, the same thing. If he doesn't want to live by their rules, then he shouldn't be part of the family. 
there has to, there has to be a balance, and that's difficult for Hispanic families to find, and it's really well portrayed in this movie. And and the balance, and the balance that they would have had, they've cut out completely because that balance is in Hector. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> It really gets you, doesn't it? I, uh, this, Where this does the emotions just, pull I, you the most? Um, I think I think um, it's it's a wonderful idea, right? Um, we think of heaven and hell, right? Or or people do. I don't. I personally, I personally haven't met anybody that has come back from either heaven and hell that have lived to survive it and can give firsthand primary um, evidence of the existence of either of those places. Right. But um, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thought, right. That the people that we've lost um, can live on um, in a place through our memories and through our thoughts and whenever you've suffered loss, um, any kind of loss, um, of people you love, that is that is a wonderful thought. Not that I believe it, but it's a wonderful thought mm. that that um, somehow, somewhere, they can look on you, look in on you, make sure you're okay, and that um, they can be kept alive pretty much through um following the rules of this universe um which i have a problem with but um it's a nice concept to introduce the kids wonderful concept you know it's it's very hopeful and it's difficult to explain to kids what death is you know it's something that needs to be done and yeah this movie introduces a way that it's you know, it's like I said, it's it's not my cup of tea. It's not something that I believe in, but the idea that this movie can provide to a child some sense of comfort for something that they may have lost or someone they may have lost. And I think the idea is, you know, as long as you have the memories of these people, they're never truly lost, right? That's the ultimate mm-hmm. concept that I think the movie wants you to come away with. As long as you still remember and you keep the memory alive, then they'll they'll always be with you. I think it's nice that they're able to introduce that so easily into a, a, the mind of a child. And it's a continuation of that family too, right? Right. I, um, the representation of, um, what kind of, what kind of leaves or petals are those that they leave behind? Is there a specific type or? It is a specific type. I can look mm-hmm. it up. I, okay. I, I thought they were like, um, marigolds. Well, whatever they are, just the image of the color of those and representing like the paths to your family and stuff right, is just right. so, so beautiful. And then seeing right when, right when Miguel goes to the world of the, of the dead, it's those bridges made entirely of it. And mm-hmm. it just like shows that, that those bridges are made by the people it's it's an entirely a labor of love from the living to keep the dead alive in their memory and like just that alone like walking on that is such a 
like a deep um, showing of like love for that and love for your ancestors, what they did for you. Cause it, it is all about like right at the beginning, it's talking about um, his, his um, great, great grandmother. Like she didn't have time to cry over her, her husband. She went straight to working, made a, made a business for the family. Like it's all about like respecting that work they did for the family. And like you did all that work for me. And I, this little bit I can do on this one day, just make this bridge for you to come to come visit us and see how, how your labor has led to it like see how we're still showing love for our family and stuff what was the it was marigolds marigolds okay yes. yeah just the visual representation of the marigold bridges is just that itself is like heartbreaking in a way that it's like it's that labor from the living for the dead Speaking of heartbreaking, the implication that, you know, these petals are held up by the love of the living for the dead is really sad when you can think of all the people that can't cross over. Yeah. It's just, I mean, they're, do they refer to it by any name? Just the forgotten or like, that's what they are, right? Just forgotten individuals, mm -hmm. the unloved, essentially. I, I don't know that Hector actually says, um, like when Cheech dies, mm -hmm. um, that's the final death is what he said, mm -hmm. right? It's the final death. Um, but he doesn't even know what happens after the final death, mm -hmm. right? So so there's still a mystery about it. It's it's the continuation of, of life. You, you don't go to this place to live forever. And he says that it, it happens to everybody yeah. eventually. And even even in this world, there's there's a class disparity, <laughs> like there's the slums and then there's the palaces. Yeah, even in this afterlife, it's it's reliant upon your memory in that way to have a status as well is what it seems right like. because Ernesto lives on a big palace up on mm -hmm. top of you know uh, up above everybody looks down on with everybody, that sweet right? guitar swimming pool. I yeah, wonder cool. what it's real awesome. estate is like in the land of the undead. <laughs> How do <laughs> like, you pay for it? <laughs> right. Do you come with Do the Egyptians have it right? You have to be buried with your wealth and your <clears throat> Well, it's what you bring back. It's 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 all the tidings that your family gives you is what you bring back. Right. So do you have to wait a whole year for your first ofrenda to be able to buy a house? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering um when they're showing the movies of of De La Cruz in his house. Like what? Did someone have to gift them the film reels? The film, yeah. Gift yeah. them the projector, gift them all that, but then they could bring it back. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also the implication that only people who celebrate this holiday have a second life is hilarious. That's to horrible. Me. <laughs> That's horrible. White, you know, white people and <laughs> where's your white afterlife? <laughs> We're fucked. Where's your white privilege now? <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't live on speaking of cheech that was his name cheech um yeah, cheech i want to talk about what your problem was with this world's um logic which because oh, i because I, I was thinking about what you had said and i'm not sure if i agree with your problem but i, I can't remember exactly how you worded it well the my problem is so your photo needs to be on an ofrenda right to cross over mm -hmm. right and um hector 
says that he needs Miguel to take a, his picture back and put it on an ofrenda, right? But then whenever Cheech dies, Hector says he's been forgotten. Um, when there's no one left in the living world who remembers you, you disappear from this world. We call it the final death, right? And Miguel says, but I've met him. I could remember him when I go back. And Hector says, no, it doesn't work like that, Chamaco. Our memories, they have to be passed down by those who knew us in life. In the stories they tell about us, but there's no one left alive to pass down Chicha's stories, right? It happens to everyone eventually. So that's my problem, is that Hector, during this whole time, the reason why he wants his picture to go back and for him to cross over and to be remembered by someone, but it was it's only someone who remembers you when you were alive so, and could tell a story. So the picture is just a way for him to get over to see Coco before right. his final death. Right. So I don't know if he ever explicitly says... I need you to bring me back so I can be remembered. Does he? Because I he feel doesn't like he doesn't say to be yeah, remembered. I feel like he just wants to he see Coco one last time. He just wants to go back time. and see Coco one last time. Mm-hmm. So that's why it puts me off at the end when Hector lives. Because he's fading. Uh-huh. Whenever whenever Hector or whenever whenever Hector gives him his blessing and sends Miguel back, he's fading, he's dying. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's the day. It's it's the end. It's sunrise. It's the there's no more. But what for another year? I think I, I've been thinking about this since I watched it yesterday. And I think you gave me the solution, or what I think the writers want you to think. Miguel goes back. He talks to Coco, and then the, she tells him about Hector, or Hector, if we're going to be authentic. Hector. Hector. That's what saves him, and not, not Coco remembering, Coco telling Miguel a story about him. Coco telling the story, right? That's, that's what I think they want you to believe, but they, they give you all of this information and then kind of make a little rule break in the end. Which is which is my problem for it. It didn't right? feel like a rule break to me because that's how I took it as well. That it because he specifically says someone has to tell you about them. Right. A living person has right. to. But if you're going to if you're going to say I have to get back, I want to get back because this is my last chance. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I'm I'm fading, and if Coco dies before the next right. Dia de Muertos, he's gone. Right. But he's not gone. He's Yeah, he's not gone because Coco told told Miguel about him. Right, but she dies before the next one. But he... Right. But that, that memory was already passed between right. generations. But he's dying as the sun's coming up, which alludes to the fact that he, he is going to die once when the, the sun, sun comes up. Yeah. I wonder if, like... It just happened. You to can be a- bring someone back. I wonder if someone can be brought back if their memory is brought back. 
I think no, it, he says you can't do that. I, I get He's, what Brandon saying. Dies. But says, even, but you even don't though the son has nothing to do with Hector dying or Hector dying, it just seems like it does. It seems like so it. So it's does. just a it's, poor. It's the memory fading that is going to kill him. So I, I think we can assume Coco's, the memory wasn't entirely faded yet. Yeah, Coco's right. Alzheimer just happens to be going into full she swing one brain as the cell. sun rises. One brain cell is <laughs> dying. Yeah, the the funniest thing, the funniest thing in the whole thing is whenever whenever she says, "How are you, Julio?" Or whatever she <laughs> says. <laughs> no, I thought it was funnier when like. Uh, her daughter, his grandma, is like comes to talk to her, and she's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> That's not funny. That's hilarious. That has happened to me before. <laughs> in, in the context of the film, it's hilarious. I don't know, what are you talking about? I it's, there's a, there's the a comedic beat right after where the you're intended to there laugh. A I don't sad, think so. I don't there think there is it's a sad so. look on. Abuelita's face. I think there was even like a, a sad guitar. It's like, even funnier in the Spanish version. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I watched both for this. Was there podcast. like a in the Spanish version? No, no there just was just the, maracas. <laughs> <laughs> just the way she says it, I thought I'm convinced that was meant to be comedic. I, I, yeah, no, I know I that it's. That I think to us sensitive people, it wasn't. I thought you were the insensitive one, I, here, Brandon. I, I, right. I cry at that. See, he cries at that, See. but but if if but laughs if she, when Dobby it, gets of, his ass right, kicked. instead of instead of Coco saying "Who are you?" if Coco like pushed her to the ground, then Brandon would be if, laughing. Yeah, if, if she said "Who are if, you?" and then punted her across the room, Brandon would be in stitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Coco just got out of her wheelchair and started kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, pulled a pulled a Yoda. Mm. Um. Yeah, and so that was that was my only problem, and and by by rewatching it for like the fiftieth time uh, for this podcast and making notes, I can I can see where it's it's the memory fading and not so much. I mean, they do they do make it seem like he is he is dying, right? Yeah, you would assume because, that like because he's right at the end. Remember me. Right, the song that that is sang in so many different ways. Miguel is singing that song whenever he sings it to Coco, and he's crying. He's singing that song for Hector and Coco mm -hmm. because he knows that because he's been with Hector this entire time that that she is that she is dying more than anyone in his family, and so. That's why he's crying when he sings that song to his grandma. And when she sings it back to him and then tells him the story and everything, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And that song has, has, it's, it's not like any other song that's in, that's in Coco, Right. Um, and it's it's a very rare song because every time it's sung, it has a different meaning, mm. and it has a different meaning for everyone who sings it, mm. right? If I sing it, I sing it for specific people. If you sing it, you sing it for specific people, right? When Ernesto de la Cruz sings it, he sang it. You know, it's it's like fake, 
It's a desperate right? plea for Rem- attention. Remember me. He sings right? it for himself. He's singing. Yeah. He's singing it right. He's singing it for himself. Everyone remember my for a fake lover. Mm. Like you know, you know you're you're watching me. Remember me. Right. Right. He, he makes it I'm provocative. Not, I'm, not, I'm never going to be able to be with you because you know you're ugly, <laughs> and I'm famous. Right. I am famous, and you're not. So. You're gonna have to just remember me in your dreams, right? Um, or the next time I come to town and throw a concert, right? Um, when Hector sings it, he sings it for Coco. He wrote it for Coco, right? When Coco sings it, she sings it for Hector. Um, those that's that's powerful. That that song, as simple as that song is. Kristen and Robert Lopez have a perfect song there. And that's why they win fucking Oscars, right? Mm. That's why they win awards for their stuff. And it translates so well. Not just that song. Every song in, in the soundtrack translates incredibly well to Spanish. But that especially it. It's just so well done. It's it's rare for a movie to have a, a soundtrack that translates so easily into the other language. And I think a lot of that is it's the fruit of their labor. You can tell that they made this movie with lots of love, not only for the idea of the movie, but for the culture that this movie represents. You you can feel the love in this movie for that the all the creators on it, the love for their family, the love for their their art, the love for anything. It just moves just a lot of love. Right, right. And, and you it, feel you it. Feel it comes it. across. You, you totally feel it. You totally feel it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's Disney Pixar, you know, actually for a long, long periods of time going into the culture and pulling from the culture and learning about the culture. They did that in Moana. They did that in, in Coco also. You know, they went down, they go and they embed themselves and they just find out everything, right? And and they process it and they make, you know, I think they, they do just to to the cultures that they, you know, some people say, oh, it's cultural appropriation. They're making money off of the culture. No, they're, they're celebrating it. They're it's, celebrating your culture. It's also, you know, you can't decide what a culture is going to think about you using their culture like that. You know, somebody might be offended that a little white kid sees the movie and wants to do an ofrenda for their grandparents, you know? I think that's I would wonderful. Think, I don't yeah, think that's I think appropriation that at all. Some kid that wants is... to take this, what he saw in a movie. He's not hurting anybody. He's learned some, or they've learned something. And, you know, it, you... You can't assume that someone would be offended by that. You know, and everybody's different, and some people might be, some people won't be, but it's hard for me to see why you would be offended that someone loved the idea of your culture so much, the ideas that you rep- you bring, and your ideas on the afterlife. For someone to want to recreate that, I, I don't see why you would want to be offended or why you would be offended I, I, by I that. Think it's, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, out of... um 
because my parents always because I grew up in a Mormon household and it was always like uh, my dad passed away when I was like 14. So my mom was always like, oh, you don't believe in an afterlife. You don't believe you're going to see him. You don't believe like this and that. And it's like, that'd be great. But I don't think so. Um, And even like watching this movie, like thinking um, for a second, like if I believed this and I thought like I could make it a friend for my for my dad and like set up the whole thing and and like just thinking about that, like an act that I would do to allow my parent to come visit me just for that moment like that just sounds something that I completely respect and even though like I don't exactly believe it it's something that is so deeply ingrained in like human emotion and what we would want like what we would um really desire for ourselves and for the afterlife to to, to like believe that to believe that um, there is this way for us right now to do something good for our for our for our dead relatives and vice versa like is what we always think where it's like oh our parents are looking down on us and like you know pulling strings from helping God do stuff for you and stuff <laughs> Pulls the strings. <laughs> but um it, it's comforting yeah it's very comforting and mm-hmm. and this is like a representation of something that like I said going back to the to the what what, what are the pedals again? Uh, marigolds. Uh, marigolds. Yeah, going back to marigolds. It's such a beautiful representation of what you do to remember. And that's just amazing. And that's why I think like the song Remember Me just hit me so fucking hard when when he's singing it to to Baby Coco, whose Baby Coco is so cute. Mm-hmm. And then when, when they get real close and Baby Coco starts singing it with him and they're like looking right in each other's eyes, it's so pure and it's so like you get pissed off at at, at what Hector had like taken away from him that he had that whole life and possibility with Coco and and a way to redeem himself with his family just taken away from from De La Cruz and that that makes De La Cruz an even more like sinister villain in that way is because not only did what he did was bad but the ramifications of a family of from what he did was was horrible um like something like this and and i don't know if you guys have seen onward have you seen onward yeah that movie fucked me up <laughs> I, was... I, I called you right after <laughs> yeah. i called you right after i said did you see that <laughs> yeah it, it yeah, was it it's brutal uh-huh man they pixar really gets in the last couple mm-hmm. of minutes every time man watching miguel sing to coco the first time i watched it just, you know, the whole story. Coco looks like both of my grandmas mixed into one. Oh. <laughs> if, I, if I have to say anything about this movie, is that the, the way they animated Coco, she looks like the perfect Hispanic grandma. <laughs> like where the wrinkles are, how her hair's done, what she's wearing. It's, it's the perfect representation of a Hispanic grandma. Anybody could watch, any person can just watch and be like, oh yeah, that's a Hispanic grandma right there. She would throw her chancla at you if you, if you upset her. <laughs> <laughs> and Chipuela does. <laughs> and Wilita, she throws her, she does throw her shoe. Yeah, right? And But she, but Coco just, 
she looks like both my abuelitas. Mm-hmm. Like if they, if you just took them and you merged them together, she kind of resembles them, uh, both of them. And that was very emotional for me watching, you know, the idea that everybody has to face their own mortality, which is another theme of the movie that Hector talks about knowing that any one of my family members, you know, they, one day they'll, they'll, everybody dies and, uh, I guess at one point everybody is forgotten. So that, that was very emotional part for like acknowledging that seeing the resemblance that she plays and having to accept that that will one day happen to my own family. Anyway, like you look at it for anyone who watches it, it hits so personally, like not only, Oh, it's sad that Hector and, and, and Coco had that horrible thing happen to them, but just, um, any movie dealing with the afterlife and having to settle your own, settle with your own death is just very, very um, scary, hard to swallow in a way to kind of think about. And, and this is, this is a very optimistic view on it in, in most, most viewpoints as aside from Cheech getting fucked. But um, it's, it's a very wonderful way to kind of, assemble all the ideas of what this afterlife is and and what it means to basically anyone who could be watching this as a kid viewing it as their grandparents are going to pass someday and and how they might handle that and 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 what it means to to kind of settle with their own family history and and respect more about that yes those those people not only were my great 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 grandparent but they they had a soul they have a they have a impact on this family in a way that i might not realize right now but it, the reason i'm here is because of the things that they did and and they could be out there somewhere hopefully not had a final death from them yeah all right it's a difficult concept to tackle, and Pixar, I think, did it so incredibly well. They tackle these themes with the script that I think is just really well done. There's not a lot of fat, I think. I think every scene needs to be there, and which isn't something I say about a lot of movies, but I think this movie, I'm just, every scene I feel it advances the plot in some way. There's no, there's nowhere in this film that I'm bored and that I look at my phone, right? It doesn't have, you know, and whenever we talked about, you know, the Harry Potter movies and it, it doesn't, it doesn't have those parts where you're just like, God, come on, we have 30 more minutes of camping to do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's an hour 45, which is a little bit longer than a children's movie is nowadays, but I don't like you said it doesn't feel slow. It but like hits every beat. That being said, for some, I the first time I watched this movie, I didn't like it that much. I I was hit really hard by the emotional beats at the end, but pretty much the the plot itself didn't grab me too much. I wasn't I wasn't too enthralled by the kind of bait and switch with with De La Cruz and and that kind of part of the plot. Um, I didn't think that really was 
particularly interesting. It's one of those things where it's not exactly what happens, it's how it happens to me. But on the second watch through, for some reason, I don't know what clicked, but something, this was much, much better for me watching it. There's a tell. There's a, a total tell that De La Cruz isn't related to, to Miguel. What's the tell? Whenever he goes to give Miguel his blessing, oh, the the pedal doesn't light up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tells. The yeah. the guitar has a gold tooth built, like drawn into the hand, the neck, and Hector has a gold tooth, but Dela Cruz doesn't. Um, I think Hector and his like picture of him, like in like when he was living, he only has one dimple. Oh, does he really? Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple others too. Yeah. But yeah, and then something that I didn't notice, this is maybe like the 10th time I've seen this movie, and I didn't notice it until this last watch through. The entire movie, Hector doesn't have any shoes until the last scene where he crosses the bridge. Like once he's been reunited with his family is the only scene where he wears shoes in the entire movie. It's it's such a small, it's such a small thing. detail. And see, just the fact that, that someone thought of it, it was like, you know what? They would make him shoes once he's part of the family it's, again. It's um, the the theme of travel and traveling, right? Is it? It's in the shoes. It's the bridges going across to the other side. It's it's a a, um, a quest. Um, and all of that travel um, is built in. It's baked in, and it's it's wonderful. Right, it's stuff you don't even don't even realize, right? Like Dante, right? Um, Dante, Dante is um, Dante is Miguel's guide, right? Knew the whole time, the entire time, mm-hmm. right? He's pushing Miguel. He he he's with Miguel whenever he goes to the plaza. Whenever he first goes to a plaza, that's whenever he, he, and he, they know each other, right? Um, he's with, with Miguel whenever he's up in the attic. He's with Miguel whenever, um, whenever they cross over, he's with Miguel. He's with Miguel when he's the reason Miguel finds Hector. Mm-hmm. Immediately after Miguel says, "I need to find my great great grandfather," he takes him to him. He takes mm-hmm. him to him immediately after. Right. Um, whenever he runs away um, after um, Poco Loco, um, whenever he runs away, uh, Dante uncovers him so people see that he's who they're looking for. Right. Um, and Dante inevitably. Uh, leads the family to Hector and Miguel whenever they're down in the sinkhole. Right. So um, he is in in uh, the Divine Comedy. It's Virgil that is guiding Dante through the through the underworld, right? And now it's Dante guiding. Miguel through the underworld. That's good. Right. That's so, good. so it's like being passed down, um, which is fucking genius. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I didn't even um, catch that. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 just and and the traveling, it's it it's all part of the traveling, right? It's just this is this is just I don't know. I would like to hear like someone argue that this that this movie is not as good as I think it is and I I bet you you couldn't find very many people that that would disagree. I I think this movie evokes emotions that you don't realize until you need if you've seen it a couple of times because it's so layered and i think kind of what you were saying blake i liked this movie when i first saw it but i think when i watched it over the weekend and i watched it again today i felt something different like something really clicked and i think it's for me it was all ector there's something about his character that you notice things late, like having watched it uh, after watching it a second and third time, you notice that you know from the beginning that all he wants to do is get over. And when you first introduced to him in the first viewing, you're just like, oh, this is just a guy he wants to get over. And then you see how he talks to Miguel before we even find out that he wants to go over to see Coco. And you can feel it in his character. You can feel it in his persona. And just small things that he says to Miguel and the way he interacts with him. You can tell that he's a very caring individual. And he really just cares about going to see Coco. He has no real... He's introduced as selfish. Um, but I think every time I watch this movie after, I just see a subtle thing in the animation. How he looks at Miguel. How he interacts with him. That just elevate his character so much more. And he... Despite being the person who wasn't part of the familia, he feels the most truly family-oriented out of anybody in the movie. Because he mm. has only one goal, and that's to see Coco again. Everybody else in the movie has their ulterior motives, and but I think he's the purest character that the movie has. Because even Miguel has to learn a couple of lessons along the way. And Well, I, they both learn from each other. Right. Right? And, um, yeah... They both learn that that each other is exactly what they need, right? Um, they find that balance we were talking about with each other, and, right? Yeah, and family is 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 even different. There's extended family. Um, Ector has extended family in the afterlife. Um, he knows people. He right um, where whenever they go visit Cheech. They call each other cousin, Tio, and everything. Um, and and he says these these are where the people come that don't have families, right? Out on, out out in the docks, right? And um, the musicians are family, um, which is which is is great. Like even if you don't have Ernesto de la Cruz, doesn't have family. He has all these. He, he has a has bunch of possessions from. Bands. Hundreds of ofrendas that Right are dedicated to to him because he has he has fans, right? He has an extended family that doesn't even really know him. They just know his music. Um but but that's you know, for some people that's enough and for some people it just isn't. Yeah. Well, it's about time we move on to some quotes. 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 How many do you have today, Brandon? I always have three. I will okay. always have three <laughs> quotes, um, just in case someone steals mine. 
Well, well what, I, if you, what if you always go first? I'm not going to always go first. Okay, I'm fine. going first fine. this Blake week. Fine, Blake can go first. He All deserves right. it. He's been a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I, are you turning into to Ron Weasley? Before you cast a spell, you have to go... <coughs> Sunshine daisies, bottom mellow, turn the stupid fat right yellow. <laughs> <laughs> My quote this week is from Frida. Um, when she's putting on her show and she says, darkness and from darkness, a giant papaya dancers emerge from the papaya and the dancers are all me. And they go to drink from the milk of their mother, who is a cactus, but who is also me. And her milk is not milk, but tears. And then says, um, is it too obvious? And, and, uh, Miguel says, I think it's the perfect amount of obvious. (laughs) I love it. And he does it with a question mark. I think it's the perfect amount of obvious. (laughs) Anything that like makes fun of this type of like artsy fartsy artist like that in that way is so good. And, and, and then to see it, like when he added the fire and in the final performance, the flames come up on the side screens. And you have to have, you have to go. (laughs) (laughs) All the music on the side. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that scene. It's so good. Yeah. And it's a great it's a great like just um setup for the actual performance. It's so good. Yeah. I like it. All right. Brandon, what's your quote? Um my my favorite quote is um when the lady is letting people out of the afterlife and um a guy comes through and she says, your photo is on your dentist's, a friend, uh, enjoy your visit. And he turns around and he has a teeth full of like jeweled teeth. And he goes, gracias. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, it gets me every time. <laughs> what's, gracias. <laughs> what's the guy's name? John Ratzenberg? Burger? Yeah. The John guy Ratzenberger? Who, yeah, that's him. Oh, is it yeah. really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's his like shortest performance in a Pixar movie, but you know, he has to be in every Pixar movie. He has to movie. be in every yeah. one. And that's his shortest performance uh, to date. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. Was he in Onward? I can't remember what he might have been in Onward, because I know he passed away um, before mm-hmm. Toy Story 4, but they used, they with permission from his family, they, they kind of... Made. took his voice and made a line from it. So I wonder if they're doing that for Pixar movies going forward. Hmm. Um, I don't know, but I didn't know that was him. That's great. Yeah, that that's, is great. That's so that's, good. I didn't know it was him either, but, yeah. but I love that. Every mm-hmm. time it just, it gets me every time I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's one of the construction workers. Okay. That's trying to get barley down from the, from like the fountain. Uh huh. I think that's, I remember now. Yeah, he's at the end when like. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. He's one I, yeah, of the yeah. people telling him to get down. Okay, yeah. I, I think I remember that exact voice. Um, my favorite quote is when they're first bringing Miguel over to the land of the dead, and he's like, "This isn't a dream. Then you're all really out here." And his Thea Victoria is like, "says You thought we weren't." And Miguel says, well, I don't know. I thought it might have been one of those made up things kids, adults tell kids, like vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Miguel, vitamins are a real thing. Well, now I'm thinking they could be. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, so and, then, and then right after um, they talk about the, um, what are they, Alabrejas? Mm-hmm, the Alabrejas. And then, uh, and then uh, his 
his one of his tios said, "Be careful; they make caquitas everywhere." Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's something so interesting about Miguel interacting with his great great grandmother and great great grandfather, but they don't look. They're not like that old. They're they're like they look like in their forties or something. Mm-hmm. And um and then Coco <laughs> ends up being so old. <laughs> but um but like something about. Uh, I don't know. It's it's so interesting that he's just kind of having that kind of conversation with his great grandmother, great great grandmother, and and <laughs> talking about vitamins like that. I don't know. Does that age that that generation gap? But they're but they're talking like they're within the same few decades right. in that way. It's 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 very well. She, very nice. she I the the twins. There's the twins. I I always what? thought that the twins and the the aunt were Coco's brothers and sister. Which aunt? There's, cause there's Mama Melda, Papa Julio. Mama Melda, Papa Julio. Is, who is, is he married to? I think that was Coco's husband. Okay. I think that, I think you're right. Um, and then, and, but then the other ones. Then you have Tia Victoria, the other and then, aunt, and then Oscar and Felipe. Right. I'd be pissed if I had to keep my old body when I died. I want to be uh, young, which which makes me think when when Miguel goes to perform. I mean, you don't see any other like younger people. He's well, like when they go to see a performance, like oh this this little like. Would you expect to see a lot of old there people are in the land people. of the dead? Wait a minute, there are young people. Where else are the youngins? Um, there's a young one that plays the xylophones on his. Um, uh, when he's doing "Remember Me," no, whenever they're performing. At one the of the performances Plaza? is like him playing on oh, his alebrije. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't I didn't remember that. But seeing seeing that, it's like oh, <laughs> that guy died really young. <laughs> and then you have like that angsty teen. Yeah. I like to think that he's a teen. <laughs> he's just an angsty. <laughs> The Trent Reznor one that's on stage mm-hmm. is just playing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, let's move on to some meme reviews. Meme reviews. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I gave this movie 10 out of 10 Rivera Chanclas. <laughs> What's that? Chanclas is what uh, his grandma uses to hit him. Like she takes off oh, her right. shoe. And, <laughs> yeah. She but she throws shoes. it and she she throws it at Dante. Yeah, it says, go, she's like, go, go get, get my, my shoes. shoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. She tells him, don't don't name a street dog. Uh, they'll follow you forever. And then she goes, go get my shoe. <laughs> um, that's it. I mean, that's it. You're, that's a lucrative business to go in if you're really good at it like that. It's a nice nice business. Yeah, yeah. What um I didn't look it up in the very beginning. Um, how kind of when Miguel's narrating his family's life, what, what's the significance of the banners that are being draped around? It's just something part of the, it's one of the decorations mm. used during the holiday. Um, I, I don't know much about it. I just know like they, they make them every year mm. and it's, it's kind of like making snowflakes for Christmas, right. but okay. you want to put like your own touch to it, your own, memories personal touch yeah yeah i like that i like that a lot yeah um i give this movie one out of two dimples (laughs) (laughs) good one um i gave this movie um six kick-ass homemade six string guitars out of six it sounds great for a homemade guitar like that it sounded perfect (laughs) it looks perfect too it doesn't look too 
Yeah. And then the way it breaks kind of also breaks like a guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not it's kind of a satisfying break because mm-hmm. it like breaks down f- from the... <laughs> From the way that she that she smashes it, it's a very satisfying smush. Yeah, I wonder if they built their own guitar in order to get that sound. Be like, oh well, we got to be authentic. We have to build our own guitar in order to get a homemade built guitar sound. I don't. I don't think they did that. No, but I mean, I'd like to think Pixar went all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they can go buy a cheap guitar and, and just... nails his frets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what's your what's your guys's real rating? Real ratings, yeah. Um I think well my rating went up since I first saw it. Um I would give this movie a 9 out of 10. An arbitrary 9 out of 10. That's it. Can we convince you to make it 10? No, it's not. <laughs> it didn't hit me as hard as I would expect a 10 to... I don't know. Really? You, you can convince... Okay, you really? can, I okay. can go with 10. I'll go with uh, 10. Here, I'll convince Bra- you. Brandon, what's Remember yours? Remember me. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> right, 10. Let's go 10. This is, this is a very... No, I think... I don't think the, the overall movie was like... Really? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Right. Don't don't well, ask well, me. Don't even ask me my real. Like, well, Blake, I, I, well, Blake question people's <laughs> people's reasons. Uh, I want to know Brandon's. I mean, I I, well, I should I, I, I have a I reason. Can, yeah. I should have a reason to, for, for why for I don't have giving a it a nine instead of a ten. Really, it's just like I know a, I know a ten when I see it. But otherwise, I'm in the jungle. I have no idea what I'm getting any movie, unless I unless I don't like it. It's probably in a seven to nine range. I really don't know. Hmm. I really don't know. Maybe I'll give this a 10. I'll give it a 10. Whatever. Fuck off. All right, Brandon, what do you want? Uh, I'm a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. How's that? You're 10 out of 10? 10, 10 out of 10. Without okay. a doubt. I'll join the 10 out of 10 club. I'll right. give this movie a 10 out of 10. I like, you don't have to. I don't, I don't accept you. Nine, I don't, I don't want you to give that 9.9.9. 9.99 out of 10. It's it's like I've said before. For me, the ten out of ten has to change my life in a positive manner, in a way mm-hmm. that I think I'll come out of it. And I just I want to do something differently or think about something differently, and it does that mm-hmm. without a doubt. It it just sends it out of the park completely. Yeah, ten out of ten. Okay, I'll go ten. No, I don't accept. No, I want a ten. I want a ten. Now that I think about it, I want a ten because because no, you just I want to be like everyone. No, no. Else. Let me give me my. Let me give you my reasoning. Let me give you my reasoning. The Coco singing. <sighs> she doesn't sing like that. <laughs> the Coco singing is is like one of the most emotional like song moments in a movie. So and and that's something that is entirely unique to this film. And I can't remember. Um, actually, the next movie we were going to be watching next week, if you guys are okay with it, is another moment where a song evoked a serious emotion in me. Um, but yeah, Coco, remember me. I'll give it a ten because that song itself is is f- film defining, like movie defining mm-hmm. movie movie business defining to me i'll give it a 10 there you go do you do you accept it now 
I guess. All right, maybe not. All right, Blake, what are we doing next week then? Next week is one of my favorite movies, um, Captain Fantastic. Um, this is one of those movies that I recognize is not a perfect movie, um, but at the moment I watched it in my life, it resonated with me at like such an amount that it became a 10 to me. This was one of those films I watched up in Reno that made me want to make films, um, particularly because the ending... Um, song um, Sweet Child of Mine that they sing is like hits me so good hits me in all the right spots yeah yeah so that that's uh, my choice I know Brandon you've seen it yeah and Jose you have not I have not it'll be something new Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Viggo Mortensen he's a sexy dad he makes me wanna he makes me wanna I don't know him is Aragorn when we when we eventually do Lord of the Rings, we're gonna do all of them in one go. Um, yeah, we'll do all extended do the editions. extended versions. So all just one episode for. I have those on DVD. All of the extended editions. We'll do the same thing we did for Harry Potter. We'll watch all of them, but then just go over the first, and then we'll do that every year. We'll watch all Harry Potter's, go over the second. Watch all all Lord of the Rings, go over the second. Harry Potter three, Lord of the Rings what about three, The Hobbits. We'll skip those. We'll so skip, we'll does skip, that mean we'll we're doing the, the same thing for Star Wars? Are we going to watch all nine? Oh, talk about you one know of we them? have to, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, I love Star Wars probably more than I'm not a most big Star Wars met. fan, but I'm still down to do it. So, so my favorite Star Wars over. movie isn't even a Star Wars movie. I know your favorite Star Wars yeah. movie. Yeah. Is it Rogue One? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, I I flip flop it to any day. I could have a different answer. But I'd say fifty times, fifty percent of my life, it is my favorite Star Wars movie. I love so the end. It's fucking phenomenal. Oh, the ending is amazing. Well, that's a discussion for another day. For now, we will watch Captain Fantastic. Yeah, maybe we'll have a lot more um, laughter next podcast. Yeah, <laughs> instead of being so deep so and det- detrimental to yeah. our emotions. <laughs> Um, I, I I actually uh, cried a lot less than I thought I was going to. Well, it's we we were your emotional ground. We were holding yeah. you down. We were yeah. making sure that you were and safe. all of our listeners. And all we, listeners. we do it for you guys. We yeah. should have we should have given them a Kleenex warning at the beginning of this one. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, if they've seen Coco, they they have Kleenex ready. Yeah. They know, <laughs> they know what we're getting into. If you haven't seen Coco, go watch Coco and. Have a box of Kleenex. Yeah, if you've everything. listened to this whole podcast and you still haven't watched it, go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the words of Coco, adios. <laughs> Remember us next week. Remember us next week. Gracias. 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 <laughs>